Welcome to Light Treason News, pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined for your weekly recap by Meredith. Hello. With her brand new badass tattoo. It is pretty badass. I'm very excited about it. I like it. it a lot. Do you yeah. want to explain it to everyone? Yeah. So on my right forearm, I now have a large sort of old-timey inkwell dip pen situation going on mm -hmm. but uh on the non-tip point uh there's a claw so it's like a dragon's claw i love it and it's like curled up a little bit so you got some talons and i decided that was going to be my hello i'm a writer tattoo is this this is a number two right yeah. okay the first one i was is, there for the first the, one you were there i got this one on my own i was feeling confident oh yeah uh but yes you were there and that's the one where i got uh the word solidarity tattooed on me so good choices all around slowly but surely adding very important things to my body those are the good ones to get the ones that you're like i don't want to forget this thing that yeah. i'm feeling so i want a tattooed on my body and i also think everyone should get one tattoo yeah at it least took one it took me a long time to really decide to pull the trigger on the sure. the second one you but do want to take I your did, time yeah it really i would be stayed. like me and just be like whatever <laughs> and get it done and i truly regret nothing hey i mean maybe that's a disorder i don't know i don't think it is maybe i'm no. like that 71 year old woman did you hear about her who doesn't like, feel pain or anxiety she doesn't feel pain or anxiety and they're studying her to see like what the chemical balance of her brain is yeah because that would be cool to get in pill form although i don't know i feel like sometimes anxiety is useful i mean it can be useful but at a moment where it doesn't seem like we're going to work very hard on fewer screens or mm -hmm. you know the level of stress people have to exist under to survive and sure. pay their rent and such uh, you mean like solutions? We're not. Yeah. So like, since we're not actually going to yeah. be solving the problem of the fact that life is actually very hard and unpleasant, not. Um, I would like to know more ways to like be Pop less anxious. Yeah. I mean, that didn't involve consistently going back and begging my doctor for lorazepam. That would be nice. Um, maybe put it in our water. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah. Just every conspiracy theorist's worst nightmare. I mean, that's literally <laughs> that's basically you're getting a little fight club right there. Sure, sure. You know? like, I do consider myself very fight club oriented. Yep. So I don't, guys. It's not <laughs> it's not a good book or really a movie upon third viewing. When I saw it the first time as a kid, I was very proud that I called the twist at the end. Yeah. So I can I think I convinced myself for a while that it was good because I figured out the ending, which tells you a lot about who I am as a person. Uh, and then I saw it a second time and I was like, oh, no. And then I saw it a third time and I was like, OK, she's not a good film. No, not a good film. Not a good book. Definitely not. Uh, although Brad Pitt's abs, very good in it. But it's distracting. Because he looks very pretty in it. Yeah. And uh, Helena Bottom Carter is wonderful. Yep. Just as a entity who mm -hmm. walks among us. And that convinces you it's a good movie. But it's not a good movie. And also, what's his fucking name is in it? Jared Leto. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Slam dunk, it's bad. Yep. Um, guys, I should mention at the top of the show, as opposed to what I did last week, which is I randomly shouted it in the middle of the show because I remembered it too late. Uh, my short is up on Patreon. It's Patreon. really good, guys. Oh, my God. Thank you. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Uh, you can view it there for as little as a dollar a month. All of my supporters have access to it. Eventually, hopefully, it will be available to the general pop. But right now, I just wanted to reward my supporters. So please go sign up over there. And while we're in the pop culture section, Meredith, I talked about this a little last week, but I know you saw us. Mm -hmm. And yes. I wanted to get your thoughts on it as well. I mean, I loved it. I saw it uh, a few days before it opened because I reviewed it for NBC. And I was just so freaked out and then also so gleeful over Ex like all of the ways it was a little bit sprawling and gave you so many different mm -hmm. options for deciding what was really going on and like oh can I run a theory by you yeah of course so I will say this is gonna have spoilers in it because I feel like last week I didn't have any spoilers and now it's sort of like okay we're in the second week of this having been out it's also a massive hit so if you're one of the people that hasn't gotten there yet Come like on. yeah pick up the slack also if you want to listen to the rest of the episode and not have it spoiled for you Skip ahead to the music cue, to the bad news section. 
So I'll give you a few more seconds to skip if you're frantically fumbling for your phone <laughs> right now. You're like, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. So have you heard the theory that the kid, the son, mm. also swapped places? I have heard that theory. I think it's really interesting, but I can't quite make it work so i thought the same thing but then i totally made it work in my head okay so part of the problem i think is people who are saying that the tethered twin mm -hmm. is feral yeah so i think for in order for that to work it would have happened to have happened a number of years right. earlier probably when he first locked himself in the closet yeah but didn't the sister say you did this last summer and not like a long time ago uh, that he had locked himself yeah. in. Yeah, so like maybe that part of the theory doesn't hold up that it happened when he locked himself in the closet, but I think everything else works because for me, the ending was a little weird because mm -hmm. felt like it was a little tacked on the twist of the mom having been, the mom is the the yeah. the tethered mm -hmm. um, or that they had originally, you know, uh, they switched back switched when she was back. kids. So I thought the ending was so strange because I was like, if I was that little kid mm -hmm. and I thought my mom was not who she had pretended to be all these years, yeah. would you not be flipping out and being like, dad, like <laughs> mom's evil. It, to me, that look at the end, the more I thought about it as a look of recognition. Yeah. And I mean, like, I get how it all can kind of come together, but they make it really clear that he's not one who talks a whole lot. He doesn't have... He doesn't seem to process information. He definitely has the hallmarks of a, a kid who may not be fully neurotypical. Um, so who's and was also just gone through a massive trauma of like being terrorized. So I saw the look that it was a look of recognition and realizing that his mom was that actually this had happened. But also it's like your mom isn't who you thought she was, but she still rescued him. So I like, there is I'm this, conflicted like, about how to feel about you. Um, so it's more of a, like, she's still the same person because the fact that she was from underground and then became who she was when she had the kids, it's mm -hmm. not like Red showed up and was suddenly pretending to be, like, that somebody else was pretending to be his mother. She didn't replace someone. Right. He just is learning. And I think that in itself is also a huge part of, like, horror films and also movies with child protagonists and, like, the issue of learning that your parents are fallible and that they're not who you thought they were. Mm. They had histories that, you know, and lives before and that, you. You know, the reason us is so good is it's not that simplified thing of like the evil twin. Right. That, you know, the tethered are incredibly sympathetic because, mm -hmm. you know, a part of the theory that I love because it's so disturbing is that every time uh, his little magic trick failed in the tethered world, it worked and burnt his doppelganger's face which is just a horrifying thing to think about that you have no control over something like that happening yeah. to you so that part of the the whole theory i liked a lot i just like there's so much mirroring going on in the film with like 11 11 and all of that stuff that a lot of his story mirrored lupita's story yeah in terms of like you know having this traumatic incident at the boardwalk drawing his emotions so for me that that sort of symmetry would have com been completed at the end even how they're sitting in the car sitting mm -hmm. like side by side if they are in that same position um and for me it would have made that twist of lupita that much more satisfying because yeah. i i saw the lupita thing coming from a mile away mm -hmm. but i think a lot of people could like it did make sure. a lot of sense because it in not in the structure of like a well-told ghost story it felt like that had a very like scary story to tell in the dark feel to mm -hmm. it where you get the final twist and you're like, oh, shit. And I liked that that had the feel of like something that used to scare me when I was a kid. But, in, but as an for, adult. But feels, to give yeah. Jordan more credit as a storyteller, I think that extra little twist would have truly blindsided me had I understood it in the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, I really hope someone brings it up to him as a theory in, yeah. in one of the subsequent interviews, because I am curious to know if that was deliberate, if that is actually a true thing. I like to imagine that he'll never tell us. Probably because, not. Probably uh, not. It's so clearly causing people to like go in and dig <laughs> yeah and I think but I also think that like there's just so much there and the way that it's sprawling and overstuffed and a little bit messy means that you can 
engage with it and like dissect it in a way that feels a lot more fun than some of the horror movies that have gotten popular Mm -hmm. or gotten a lot of critical acclaim. Like, you know, Hereditary is obviously a movie about like grief and parenting Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, stuff and in like all of that sort of horror. But it lends itself to a really sterile kind of like airless uh, readings where you just have to be like, okay, yes, this is exactly what's happening. Except for you're like, the fuck? Right. Payment? Okay. Um, <laughs> cool? Yeah. Um, and I think that throwing a lot of things in there and having it be effective as like a scary home invasion, like slasher situation yes. that allows you to think about like, okay, well maybe this is because I think there's a lot of benefit to the public sitting and analyzing the movie and then trying to play that forward necessarily, like rather than figuring out, like finding some clues within the film. Like, okay, yeah, they say that he's gotten locked in. He does seem to have the mirroring going on in mm-hmm. a way that other characters don't. Right. How would it look that, how would it work that this kid would still have all of these burns on his face if, you know, how long Why ago? does he have this weird pull over his doppelganger? Exactly. That he can like walk but, him into flames. You know, but then what would it mean if they all survive? Like, what is the the next part of the story look like in a situation where Lupita and Jason are both, yes, uh, are both actually their doppelgangers and they have to kind of deal with this set of mm-hmm. this like universe. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's just really fun to imagine and yes. like opens up so many possibilities. So interesting. And like, I, you know, the hallmark of a, a good film that's that rich in content that like yeah. we can still be talking about it and not fully understanding it. Like yeah. what well, the it, fuck happened? It also just doesn't feel like a movie where it's a little confusing and there's not one read that is sloppy. Whereas mm-hmm. some movies just like don't make where there's plot holes and you're like, Oh, it's totally supposed to make you think. And you're like, fuck you. You just that, didn't yeah, make it work. That, like, that's how I felt about maniac. Where mm-hmm. I'm like, this is deliberately pretentious because I don't think they had a full grasp on this story. Yeah. Well, Carrie Fukunaga is, I mean, he's hot, but he's an idiot. Soups, soups hot, but, um, mm, yeah, yeah. That story, that story was shaky and they tried to make up for it by being like very pretentious and stylizing yep. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people ate it up because yeah. they were like, visually, it's cool. And it's like, yeah, but the story's crap. So you're like, there's no there there. Yeah. And I mean, like, just to have something like, I still feel unsettled thinking about the way that not just like the doppelganger, the, the murderous doppelganger situation, but just the way that it forces you to reexamine so many other things that are pleasant and like nice, nostalgic childhood memories. Mm-hmm. Like, and then put creepiness onto it like a trip to the beach a trip to the boardwalk like hands across america always struck me as a little bit lame but certainly not oh, sinister and who, now i'm like are you that fucking was, kidding me that was disturbing as fuck yeah. like i truly yeah the idea of seeing people silently holding hands is like so disturbing the moment where she uh, you're seeing like the the above ground yep. version of her life at what I, it's supposed to be yeah. Coney Island, and then the tethered it's, version of that. It is yeah. so profoundly disturbing. Her, the know. way her father is walking. Oh, is I know. So scary. The um, yeah, it's the Santa Cruz board. It's the boardwalk from Lost Boys. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Although, Santa Cruz, the Santa Cruz boardwalk in amusement park. So I like to imagine it not just. I, th- I mean, I'm sure that wasn't. I can't imagine that Jordan Peele cares that much about the Lost Boys, but I had great love thinking about the oily shirtless saxophonist from the beginning of the Lost Boys mm. when they like meet the vampires and Kiefer Sutherland and all the hot guys. Right. Um, just like where she's wandering and that somewhere in the background in the 1980s, there's like a fully separate vampire movie, like teen vampire mm-hmm. movie happening while this girl is getting kidnapped right, by the underground right. doppelganger. Oh, um, yeah, I didn't mean it was actually Coney Island. But it Island, is that thing, yeah. But it, like, did you ever hear Jordan Peele's uh, story about what inspired him to write the story? I did. He, he was, like, he was on a train. Yeah, it was yeah. after one of his, like, s- maybe, like, improv or stand-up gigs, and he was about to catch a subway, and he was imagining standing on the... Well, he was on the downtown platform, and yep. he imagined staring across the uptown platform and seeing his doppelganger Which, how many side. of us haven't had that thought while waiting for a train? It, or Meredith, I have never had that thought, but the idea of it, <laughs> like, terrified me so much. And the beginning of Us, where he's talking about underground tunnels, mm-hmm. like, to me, I, while watching Us, wondered how different of a movie it would have been had he said it in New York City. Using Coney Island, using mm-hmm. the the subway tunnels, 
I get why he didn't do that, but at the same time, I was like, oh, how cool would that have been? Yeah. Well, it would have been a lot more like Chud in its in a Maybe way. Maybe that's why so, he you know, steered clear. But there's also something so very California about the characters and their like health and the uh, the superficiality of the the white friends and middle class the very like there's something that felt very california mm-hmm. where i think that movie like horror films set in new york unless you're doing it explicitly in the suburbs i also like, think i like, think it's not necessarily as relatable in some ways and and also like honestly you kind of need cars for the movie like, true true yeah. um which you could do in the city but it would be weird if everyone had yeah. a car that um, said uh, i also think yeah. if you're gonna have anything with cults like yeah. the i couldn't help but think about the the manson clan in the scene where mm. elizabeth moss's entire family is butchered like oh yeah ha- choosing to place that with us being outside watching it happen was brilliant. And it was somehow so much more disturbing. (laughs) I was terrified when the teen girl, the teen daughters, like doppelganger comes in and stabs her in the neck. As soon as I saw that, I was like, (gasps) (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. really uh, I mean, one thing I will say about um, the Coney Island thing, and I did think about this too, because of course I was before things got terrifying. I was <laughs> doing references to myself. Uh-huh. Um, the the whole Hall of Mirrors mm. going under the boardwalk had a very like element of big to it to me. That yeah, like, yeah. I w- I always remember that like before it became a heartwarming story of an adult woman who fucks a child in a man's body. Very uh, disturbing, guys. <laughs> Do not rewatch Big if you want to um, have any fond memories of it. Yeah. Like I always thought that the fortune teller was super, super scary. And I yeah. lived in fear of it because yeah. I was like, oh, I don't like this at all. I don't mm-hmm. like that this this thing has the power and like also winter at the, you know, sort of closed down boardwalk is always very sinister in itself. So I felt like a very huge tie to that, that like things that are heart, like the, the dark side of things that are kind of heartwarming Mm -hmm. under other circumstances. Like I can't wait. I'm so considering getting, CBS All Access so that I can watch The Twilight Zone. Oh, you know, I'm so... I'm annoyed that I have to get that, though. I mean, so is everyone else on the planet. Like, CBS All Access has... uh, All of its subscribers are still 20% of the audience of The Big Bang Theory on any given week. It's so dumb to me that they did that. And I'm Mm -hmm. wondering if, like, last minute they'll sort of, like, pull a partnership out of the hat because they're like, oh, my God, no one's watching this. I mean, I think that they realize that they have a lot of power because the other two shows that they have running on CBS All, Ac- on All Access are The Good Fight, mm-hmm. which fucking rules because Christine Baranski and a wildly diverse, interesting cast doing like the only good th- leftover bit of the hashtag resistance like Obama dream l- people. Mm-hmm. And then Star Trek Discovery, which is like Star Trek but super gay. Right, right. Um, and I think... Hey, Charles. You know, they're, they clearly <laughs> haven't been in like they don't have an incentive to do it so far so like maybe they're just going to be jerks about it yeah like, um, i would love to i just want to see it i know i'm just gonna hop on somebody else's cbs all access i know because i don't want to pay for it uh which is what i've done with uh hulu and hbo yeah. i did find out that um apparently when they redo uh terror at twenty thousand feet or whatever exactly yes. the um adam scott nightmare, that adam scott is doing the william shatner did part. you see the trailer i did it's I like I need more reasons. I mean, it looks like what he's going to do in classic Jordan Peele style is delve into the white man's psyche a little bit with who he perceives as a threat on that plane. And that should be very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't I'm so excited. I just can't can't wait to see it all happen. I can't wait for the new Candyman that he's making. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just so excited to see everything he does because I I mean, I think it's a cliche at this point to say, but he's our Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. A friend of mine said that his, he had a really good tweet. I think I could tell he had just seen us where he was like, they're going to name film school like they're gonna name oh, film awards after 100%, jordan peele a hundred percent and i was like yeah that and is deservedly so he's gonna get like he's gonna be one of those people where they're like oh yeah this is the cecil b demille slash yep. jordan peele yep award um so my other recommendations are i started the oa season two and i'm only a couple episodes in i'll say this about the oa it is always visually gorgeous mm-hmm. and i really respect that the creators don't care about confusing the audience they tell stories in a really bold way which is they drop you into the middle of a very confusing situation with all new characters and they don't spoon feed you what's going on and it takes you a minute 
Uh, and I respect that they respect the audience so much. Yeah. I do not understand Homer as a love interest. I never have. I don't think he's interesting or attractive. And it confuses me that so much of the story hinges on this love story that yeah. is not compelling. I find every other character in the story compelling. I don't find them compelling at all. <laughs> and it's weird that they want me to believe that their love is like yeah. the reason that they found each other again. All mm -hmm. these characters have entered bodies that are near each other again. That to me feels very like, I don't get this mm -hmm. at all, but I like enough of the other characters to make it work. Mm -hmm. Jason Isaacs is great in it. Yeah. Mm, Jason Isaacs. Yummy. Uh, I mean, I love Britt Marling. I think she's great. I, I love her. You, that, that was not yeah. a knock on her. I think she's oh, a great no, actress, no, it doesn't great have, writer. It, it is very rarely the fault of the uh, of an excellent actress that yes. her love interest is a total drip. It's just yeah. that you can't have one without giving them a... Especially a lady who worked for Goldman Sachs and stopped working for them because she realized they're fucking evil. Yeah. Um, have you seen The Sound of My Voice? No. It's um, her... She plays a mysterious figure who's the central uh, guru of a weird cult. Okay, sounds familiar. And uh, then, and so it's like, so it does kind of feel familiar, but it was one of her indie films that she made when she was doing with her writing partner and her directing partner. Yeah. And so it's found footage of this couple that is having, you know, infiltrating this cult and then meeting this woman and then trying to figure out if she's actually from the future, which is what she says she is, or is she real? And it's so good. Like, okay. it's really, really smart and chilling and, you know, weirdly moving mm -hmm. in this way. Um, so highly recommend. Um, and then the only other thing I have, and I want to hear if you have anything as well, is <laughs> I watched the Madeline McCann documentary. Oh, my God. On Netflix. And here's the thing. It's getting criticized because there's technically no new information that yeah. they're presenting in it. Um, and they sort of do this gross thing where they're like, if anybody out there has new information to sort of give it some kind of like public service feel that it doesn't necessarily have, which uh -huh. is gross because it'll probably lead to a lot of false leads and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but I realized that for whatever reason, I was probably just busy during that period in my life. I didn't really follow the Madeline McCann story at all. Mm -hmm. And so for me, everything was new. So I was just like, I truly knew none of the the suspects or anything like that. So for yeah. me, I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> and also I am a 36 year old woman and I triple checked every door to make sure it was locked because I was so afraid someone was going to kidnap me and I'm not a child. So that would just be an abduction. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I think it's well done for mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah. And especially it, if you're into true crime. So, I mean, I haven't, I haven't watched it. Um, I may not, I can't decide. Uh, it definitely makes me laugh that we've already exhausted our supply of missing white women oh so much that we have to we go to, back. We have to go all the way to the missing children. <laughs> like, well also <laughs> a missing child too. Like it's like how they're still doing John Bonet documentaries. Yep. Like we keep circling back to mm -hmm. little white girls who are missing, who we already, you know, mm. fully explored their disappearances. We're just returning to like a decade later. Right. Well, this one at least is a little bit more of a mystery because I think everyone more or less agrees that the brother, killed John Bonet, right? Yes, I think for the most right. part. Um, this one is, I for mm, I'd say like 60% of the documentary, I was like, the parents did it. Yeah. And then at the end of it, I was like, no, I think this truly was one of those very rare stranger abductions. Yep. Um, which sucks, you know, it's mm. it's a horrible thing. But what's interesting about it is the, the tension between uh, the UK and the countries who were trying to investigate yep. what happened because it got uh, very um, colonial powers coming in and telling <laughs> everybody <laughs> what to do. And then for some reason, everyone reacting badly to that, <laughs> uh, which really fucked up the investigation yeah. because it became about so much more than Madeleine McCann. Mm -hmm. It became about like power struggles and like the media coming coming in and, you know, sensationalizing yeah. stuff that should not have been sensationalized. Um, and then it's always interesting to revisit them and hear their defense of it, which is like them really trying to wrestle with like why it was okay that they accused the parents of murdering their own child. Right. Um, in the midst of the investigation so that the police actually stopped looking for who had done it. Right. 
and the consequences of that uh, because they wanted to sell more newspapers. And it's like, yeah, that's a for-profit media for you. Yeah. And I mean, if there's one thing you can count on the European and especially British tabloids to do, it's sensationalize and straight up lie uh, when it suits them. Mm -hmm. Let us not forget, these are probably, these are the same tabloids that most likely ended up uh, getting in trouble for wiretapping people mm-hmm. uh Oops. breaking it and then breaking into the voice thing and deleting the voicemails of another dead child shout out to Piers morgan and his cronies sub <laughs> <up>, guys <laughs> Sup. um yeah never forget that yeah. poor girl um Oof. and her family so you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to be mad about there yes uh did you have any recommendations um i do have some recommendations um i was telling you the other day and i will expand this if you like a very dark Canadian apocalyptic drama. There is one on Netflix called Between. Mm -hmm. um, Starring former Disney Channel uh, Ariana Grande co-star Jeanette McCurdy, strangely enough. But uh, yes, in a small town, in the country called Pretty Lake, suddenly all of the adults over the age of 22 like start dying. Uh, The town and a 10 mile radius is put under quarantine and everyone left alive goes fucking bonkers um, because it's a total breakdown. So they're Mm -hmm. trapped. They don't have food. The government, there's no communications. The government is lying to everyone. They have no idea what's really happening. This is my jam. And uh, it's also extremely violent. Um, Better. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like it is kids killing kids of like all ages. Like, would you like to see like suddenly there's like an 11 year old who decides to take a car for a joyride and then kills a toddler would I like to see that very much so thank you yeah and that's just like in the first like I think that's like the first or second episode so I'm not really giving too much away um things get very weird and it's very much like big conspiracy theory um I'm so excited stuff it's really fun I'm gonna watch that immediately I was I was like absolutely binged it I couldn't stop I was great like I'll watch that after the and yeah and the nerd turns into this weird anarchist type like I mean the nerd guy who ends up exposing and being do not give spoilers away Meredith uh well exposing being like that as the character who's trying to investigate and be the hero um he goes from floppy haired high school senior uh with a scholarship to MIT or accept early acceptance to MIT. Uh, I will spoil it and say at some at one point he shaves his head and starts to look extremely extremely fishy <laughs> as he's going about this stuff. I'm like, oh man, this got this got dark. I don't know why like, describing someone as extremely fishy was so funny to me because normally when you have the nerd boy. <laughs> It doesn't he doesn't suddenly start looking like he might also be a white supremacist. Oh, but like <laughs> fishy in that way. Fishy in a white supremacist way. Okay. Uh, guys, do you have any recommendations? Hashtag light trees and pod. Let us know. And on that note, we just gave you so much good. So it's time for some bad. Mm. Here is your bad news. All right, so obviously we have to talk about the Mueller report and how Trump claims this is a full vindication for him, despite the fact that, like, 35 people were indicted, um, three companies pled uh, guilty or were indicted during it. So obviously it's not like crimes weren't committed and that there was not some kind of crime syndicate going on. I think it's pretty conclusive that that did happen. Yeah. All Mueller was saying is that he doesn't think that he has enough evidence for there to be further indictments. Mm -hmm. But in all likelihood, he was passing it along. So, like, maybe Congress would do something. Right. Or let's say, like, the New York Attorney General. And honestly, if it was truly a full vindication, wouldn't they release the whole report? Yeah. Like, why is that not even being considered right now? Oh, right. It's because we have a tyrant in the White House. Right. But, you know. We got to see the full uh, Ken Starr report mm-hmm. uh, to the to the point where teachers were trying to figure out how they could interpret it for their students without reading, like, the cigar part. Yep. And, you know, this family does lots of crimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do lots of crimes. And although, like, this, the, the biggest gimme that we gave to 
Barr and Trump and all of these MAGA idiots is that there was just so much of a push through certain members of the media, certain members of the public, certain members of like certain resistance grifters to say that the Mueller report was going to be the thing yes. that finally got Trump right. when a a long and like a several hundred page highly technical uh, document based on an investigation that like into things that were mishandled and publicly mishandled at the time like everyone should have been able to say yeah that's going to like that's not going to do anything right. they got people like paul manafort because they did crimes very obviously <laughs> in very, very specific obviously. ways yeah. uh or avenatti who managed to not only get arrested and be bad here but was suddenly involved now in the nexium uh funding case that's the that's the branding sex cult guys yes. just in case you didn't know um, Nike and Nexium. You can't possibly get any weirder. Uh, and you can actually now I'm going to regret that I said that. But <laughs> right, just wait. Uh, but <laughs> just I wait think until like, like an hour after I post this episode. Yeah. The like it's just it is great that the Southern District of New York is still doing an investigation, that they're still gonna put pressure on people like Ivanka and Jared mm -hmm. and the the garbage sons, like for their business dealings and the ways that they're enriching themselves while um serving that like in government but this is like there's it's not gonna we, we don't know we also don't know what's in it so we can't talk about right. whether or not this is actually an exoneration we're all fully uninformed right we are like <laughs> everyone is still wildly speculating <laughs> right. which means that we've now provided ourselves with an opportunity to be wrong in a whole different yes. way than we've been wrong up until now right and the most important thing to take away from all of the stupidity of the Trump administration saying it exonerated him, all of the stupidity of people trying to backpedal their conviction that the Miller report would do something like just don't fucking wait around. Yes. Like go out and work on like, don't rely on like, there's no daddy here. No daddy like, figures coming to save you. Even before Mueller, there was this whole like, well, the deep, state will save us mm -hmm. and it's like since fucking when it's like how did we get to a place where that's what you're hoping for <laughs> right like and hearing like i mean self-described leftists say that it's like what are you talking about mm -hmm. like you're hoping the fbi is gonna save us like since when is the fbi the hero of anything right it was like they've definitely got some black community organizations to be undermining right now rather than paying attention to uh -huh. the Trump administration. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, there's there is work that you can do in your own communities and at the state level, at the local level um, to be ready for whatever comes next, whether it's this year or next year. Um, and beyond that are going to end up that will be fundamentally more valuable than wondering about what the Mueller report really means. I yeah. think that the implications there are not, like, I don't want to say they're not interesting enough, but I think that, like, it's just an easy way to get distracted by spectacle mm -hmm. when it's not where we need our energies to go. I agree. And that's truly all I want to say about it because I feel like that's all that can be said yeah. because we don't know what the report says. It should be public. Um, the investigation did hand down you know, uh, dozens of indictments. So something criminal was going on. Like, come on, 35 indictments and your idiot son for sure met with the Russians. Yep. Like, come on. Um, but remains to be seen. I also wanted to talk about Barbara Streisand's Cuckoo this Bananas. really bad. Comment, which again, this feels like it happened months ago. Yeah, I know. Wasn't it just last weekend? Yes. So Barbara Streisand, uh, you know, got heavily criticized recently for... Um, for comments she made about two men who have accused Michael Jackson of sexually assaulting them as children. Um, she said that the, when they were kids, those kids were thrilled to be there and that what allegedly happened to them, quote, didn't kill them. Both, with, both things are technically true at the most baseline level of like them being complete sentences. But what's <laughs> missing in there is that what happened by, like, w they were thrilled to be there, which is why he was able to ruin their, like, try, mm -hmm. like, essentially ruin huge chunks of their lives by molesting them. And that not, 
dying because of this like if that's your bar if that's your bar then like some of the most heinous acts to ever happen i guess we're also okay because technically those people were still alive so it's okay Mm -hmm. and then at one point she said that jackson's quote-unquote sexual needs were his sexual needs i was like that's again really not the thing you should say out loud rich people are wild they're wild. And I truly believe that, like, this is the result of unchecked privilege and power. You start to think like that. Well, and you'd start to think that somehow if you, that you you have some responsibility to, like, be nice. You can't, you just don't want to disavow this person that you had a relationship with mm-hmm. while they were still alive. Because it makes you look bad. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, you don't want to say, and you know, she's never done anything wrong in her life because she's Barbara. So like, <laughs> of course, I mean like in her head. Right. So <laughs> to her, that's probably as much as she could go as saying like, okay, this was, yes, we have had, com- we have conversations about pedophilia as a disorder and as mm-hmm. like uh what it does to your brain and the fact that people can't you can't just decide not to have right. these feelings especially if you're very traumatized as he clearly was right but that's very different than his sexual needs or his sexual needs yeah yeah it is like a gross oversimplification i also don't want to make it seem like i'm excusing her or her thoughts or you know michael jackson's while we're on the issue of uh, like affluenza, Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, they're rich, so they couldn't help it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, I do think there is a consequence for people who have this much wealth and this much power and surround themselves with people who don't check them on their bullshit. I do believe that changes your brain after a while. Yeah. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be held accountable for your actions. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. Michael Jackson should have been held accountable uh, for raping children. Barbara Streisand should be held accountable for pardoning child rapists, you yeah. know? Um, what I'm trying to say is this is what happens when you have a shopping mall in your own home, which yeah. Barbara Streisand does. Mm-hmm. She has a mall in her home. Yeah. Can I can I mention that there is a person who managed a very good response about yes. Michael Jackson? Yes, yes, yes. Um, Winston Duke. On the press tour for us, Uh, a person asks, because there's a Thriller t-shirt featured in the early part of the film. Right, right. One of the, like an interviewer from an outlet uh, on a video asks him like, oh, hey, you know, yeah, this plays like a pivotal role as like an object in the movie. It's definitely there, you know what you know and then he kind of asked him to weigh in and he was like look man that the whole like the situation is really sad and these people really suffered and this stuff like clearly there's a lot of awful elements to this situation and manages he manages to bring it back to the movie and about like the duality of people and the darkness that can exist like the well, darkness that exists in people that for also what we about love them trauma. so yeah yeah so he managed like whoever worked with him mm-hmm. on that because i'm sure that a good PR person would have prepped everybody for that. Everyone has a can answer Um, for that now. Yeah. But like whoever was working with him on that deserves like a massive bonus Mm -hmm. for talking him through it. But he also, I thought deserved a pretty good like round of applause for just being able to say, yeah, this is fucked up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's hard. You can't just say, all right, we're going to cancel all of this, but here's how this thing that I'm in can also speak to how we deal with like a horrible things happening in our society yeah. and surviving it. And I was like, Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so, so it's not that hard guys. It's not that hard. True. Yeah. So a couple things I wanted to get to before we get to the good news section, Ugh, the Jesse Smollett thing is just such a fucking mess. Mm. So the uh, and I feel like I should give an update to the story because we have been talking about it on the show so much. But so the prosecutor has dropped charges against Jesse Smollett. If you want something right, don't go through the CPD. Ooh, God, they are a fucking mess. Speaking of not revealing um, details, they have, of course, uh, closed the records. So no one knows what the fuck went on in court. No one knows, like, why the prosecution decided to drop those charges. But... If I was to speculate, and again, this is all speculation, nobody knows what the fuck happened, it would be that um, something shady did go on Mm -hmm. with Jesse Smollett because the details don't add up. But the CPD, being the CPD, fucking overreached, like they always do, probably did a bunch of shady shit. The prosecution 
the 16 felony charges against Jesse Smollett were a joke. Yep. Maybe you had one or two charges against him. They clearly overreached and the case fell apart. Right. And they had to drop charges. And that is what I believe happened. Now, the solution that they're trying to strike feels like what it should have been at the beginning, which is yep. they were like, pay us back for the resources we use to mm-hmm. investigate this non-case. Um, and they want $130,000 from Jesse Smollett. And... Um, that's basically what they landed on. They his his record is clean. They yep. scrubbed his record. Um, but I mean, what to be fair, mess. like in a situation like this, public humiliation is probably more is like more than enough. Like pay us some money yep. and deal with the fact that this happened and you look like a complete jackass. Oh, he's like, ruined pros- his like, career. Why prosecution had like they ever thought that was something that needed to happen? But also. This whole narrative is such red meat for racists yes. because all they can say is like the same thing for people that like believe that uh, women are constantly making up yep. rape allegations. It's the exact same yep. mentality that like white men and white people are constantly being discriminated against and black people are making everything up about their oppressions and their like yeah. struggles. This is verbatim what we went through after the the Rolling Stone story that mm-hmm. Sabrina Erdley wrote fell apart, yep. which was, see, they're always lying and like that it's so blatantly not the case like those stories are a statistical anomaly yeah by and large overwhelmingly people do not lie about this shit they don't lie about being raped they don't lie about hate crimes because why don't they do that because your life turns into a fucking mess if you do something like that and what's even more is like we can see that in this situation this is you know we have a very clear look at the consequences to an individual for making this up you get like <laughs> really like actually being an idiot i don't know i mean i it's hard for he me to fully up like, his life yeah he ruined his career also i do think that it is in its own way a bit of bad news that this is um given something uh to Rahm Emanuel to whine and scream about Ugh. for the last several days of his administration like mm. the mayor's election is literally next week <laughs> Uh, and he's like on his way out and he is just railing on this how dare you (laughs) uh, the baby baby got to cry for a little bit as someone said don't you like don't you have crimes to cover up (laughs) yeah I know Uh, you'd think you'd be busy enough so before we get to the good news section I wanted to talk about this recent um, epidemic of suicides surrounding uh, the community of where like mass shootings have happened. Yep. So there's been a few in the community uh, where Stoneman Douglas is. Um, and those are children, like young yeah, children people who were survivors of the Parkland shooting have taken their own lives. Yeah, Sydney uh, Alo uh, died by suicide. Her mother said she was struggling with survivor's guilt and had been diagnosed with PTSD. The day after her funeral on March 22nd, 16-year-old Calvin Desser, another student there, died by suicide. His family has not spoken publicly. It's unclear if his death was related to uh, the 2018 shooting. And I want to be careful. Um, One of the recommendations for the media when they cover stories like this is to not ascribe suicides to one specific event that happened because suicide's always a very complex thing it's it's the result of uh, many factors that we don't still fully understand um then there was another incident a sandy hook mom is speaking out after her husband's suicide jennifer hensel the wife of jeremy Grichman, the sandy hook father who died by suicide this week has spoken out for the first time saying her husband succumbed to the grief grief from the death of their daughter um richmond was 49 he died by suicide at the edmund town hall in newtown on monday uh, and he's the third person linked to a school mass shooting to die by suicide in the last two weeks. So I just wanted to talk about how, like, there is this ripple effect with suicides. Um, and I wanted to give out the suicide uh, prevention hotline number, mm-hmm. which is 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. Because in so many of these cases, like, what I wanted to say about this is having those thoughts is totally normal. Mm-hmm. I think anyone who claims that they haven't had those thoughts is being very disingenuous. So you're not weird for feeling that. 
Um, but in so many of these cases, the thing that seals the fate of, of these individuals is access to, say, like a gun. Yeah. Um, so many studies have shown that that impulse to die by suicide lasts probably like an hour. Mm -hmm. And if you can get through that hour, the chances that you will die by suicide plummet significantly. It's one of the reasons why men are much more likely to to die by suicide Mm -hmm. than women when it comes to, because the methods that men, that men are like often choose methods that are much more drastic, Mm -hmm. like guns, like cars, like, and that, that, then there's no coming back from it. And that's and not also, a universal, but yeah. I know that there are numbers that say that this is, it, it speaks to like right. being like not being afraid to reach out because yes. if you can talk through that, the like really the, the crash of the wave mm-hmm. um, that there's, there can be hope and that there's ways to get help yeah. without. And uh, oftentimes yeah. so much of it is just coming up with a, a plan because mm-hmm. things that can feel totally overwhelming, yeah. like, insurmountable in in the short term Mm -hmm. if you sit with it and you come up with a plan with someone uh will seem totally manageable Mm -hmm. in like a few days or a few weeks but in that moment it feels like there's no way out but call someone there is always a way out there's always a solution um and yeah the the fatality rate of guns is like 99 percent well it's uh it's actually the most common like the most common violent death of, like that results it, with guns is suicide, right? It's yeah. like when it comes yes, to people yes. who die by guns, it's mm-hmm. suicide is actually the the reason why, and not like violence of of like uh, towards another person. Meanwhile, the fatality rate of like say overdosing on pills is like three or four percent, uh, right? But also, uh, really like don't don't take too much Tylenol, oh. kids. You will kill yourself. It oh, will yeah, actually. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, but I also uh, this is another thing which is you know outward facing. Um, fuck you to the social media brands that allowed conspiracy theories around Parkland yep. and Sandy Hook to proliferate. Uh, the daughter of the Sandy Hook father who died by suicide was the subject of a particularly nasty conspiracy mm-hmm. theory that was being passed around and supported uh, by by people, say uh, by trolls and, and horrible human <laughs> excuses for human beings, that she had not actually died and that she was still alive and attending school under a different name. Yeah. Um, Which I'm sure helped his trauma a lot. Yeah, well, and he had spoken unt- like before about the the nightmare experience of that, uh, of being targeted and being harassed yeah. in that way. So this is, you know, it's just another thing. I know we do not support any of this kind of bullshit, but, you know, this is, these things are real and we're they seeing have consequences, that. consequences, yeah. Yeah, and they, I do not, um, unfortunately, uh, long-term studies of survivors of other mass shootings um, suggest that this will not be the last time mm-hmm. uh, someone with uh, close connections to some of the more recent tragedies um, may find themselves in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, keep sending support into the world yeah. and um, check remember, in on people, yeah. like be nice to people. I know that sounds like such a superficial little thing, but like, shit sucks so much if we can just like look out for each other and take care of each other and be Mm -hmm. nice to each other like that helps a lot like you remember when a total stranger is nice to you throughout Mm -hmm. the day because it 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 really does lift your spirits so be that person right yeah all right guys on that note that's enough of the bad here's your good news yay So this is going to seem like a strange good news story, but I think it ultimately will be good news. So Trump really has been banging the drum to repeal Obamacare. He has convinced the Republicans can put <laughs> something in that's better. Yeah. But what better but, means is questionable. Right, right. Um, but recently, this week, the Trump administration lost its second Obamacare legal battle just as the president has revved up efforts to eliminate the 2010 health care law. 
A federal judge in Washington ruled late Thursday that the administration's attempt to expand availability of health care plans that don't meet the requirement of the Affordable Care Act is a deliberate and illegal end run around the federal health care law. So while he's bloviating in public about how he's going to fulfill one of his major campaign promises, Mm -hmm. he keeps losing in court. And this is also at the same time as uh, other judges are ruling against states who tried to cause fucked up or to try to force people off of Medicaid uh, through like because of work requirements. So places that are already hostile to the ACA are also losing. Um, It's really clear that this stuff, at least up until the Supreme Court, is really pretty willing to let the ACA stand. Yeah. Um, I just like... What kind of piece of shit are you when you think that, you know, this is a good way to spend your time? Like, I mean, it's just it's really important to get rid of health care. Like, gleefully cut funding for the uh, the Special Olympics. No, no. They just proposed doing that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tactically, they did. She only did propose. But it was very funny when she suggested that she was unfairly attacked while also confirming that she had indeed. <laughs> when Betsy but, DeVos yeah. was like, I love Special Olympics. Like, <laughs> defending herself. Like, oh, my God. Uh, so, yes, the, it's great that the administration lost in court. I'm sure he's very upset. I'm sure the, the, the soup for brains is boiling right now sure <laughs> uh so yeah also in good news um mcdonald's has halted uh, lobbying efforts against the minimum wage hikes um so of course we've talked a lot about the fight for 15 campaign on this show um so this name jenna gent mcdonald's vice president of government relations wrote in the letter We believe increases should be phased in, whatever that means, and all industries should be treated the same way. The conversation about wages is an important one. It's one we wish to advance, not impede. So at least, like, the lip service they're giving is, we're not going to stand in the way of this. You have Mm -hmm. to give us time to implement the wage hikes, which, again, it's like, what's the timeline? If they're like, you know, in 2080, we'll have $15 an hour. Um, But I think... This statement from McDonald's is in large part a response to communities where the $15 an hour hike did happen didn't explode overnight like so many Republicans predicted. They were like, oh, my God, if you give fast food workers of all people $15 an hour, a living wage, society itself will collapse. Turns out everyone's just a lot happier. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't happened. And it hasn't impacted the local economy or anything like that in a negative way. Um, if, if anything, poor people now have money to spend in their mm-hmm. local communities, which is good for the economy. Um, so I think McDonald's and other fast food restaurants have had to scramble to be like, oh, shit, all of the negative press we put out there about what would happen if these wage hikes happened did not come to fruition. What do we say now? Yeah. And now what they have to say is just give us some time yeah, to well, make hey. it happen. It's better. I mean, I I'm just glad that they decided that whatever their internal calculus was made it. They fucked likely, up. Yeah, you know that they needed to just give it up because it wasn't going to help them at all. So I mean, McDonald's, which I think is one of the most American brands. Yep. That you can think of. It's been interesting to watch how they have had to adapt and change over mm-hmm. the years. Like for example, they've had to branch out and pretend like they're health food, you know, mm-hmm. because people wanted to eat healthier. They've had to pretend they're green because people cared about the earth more after a while. <laughs> and now they have to pretend like they care about workers because, uh-oh, suddenly people care about fast food workers. Yeah. I mean, I also think this is uh, a victory against the deeply disingenuous argument that people working minimum wage jobs are kids yes. getting, like, a little bit of pocket change. Uh-huh. And that now the people who are working for fast food, like, fast food companies are adults and they're in situations where they can't support their families. And so some of their stronger, like their their rhetorical devices no longer hold up to scrutiny. And I think people just aren't buying it. So the only yeah. way to avoid 
becoming obsolete like is to that's always what it it comes down to like Mm -hmm. this is just a response to change in public opinion yeah and now i mean the public opinion is corporations are bad they take advantage of workers we care about the planet Mm -hmm. and mcdonald's is like us too oh my god (laughs) they're just like having to pretend like the whole time they were in on it they're like we're mad about this too oh my god can you believe we weren't paying them enough yeah yeah um so speaking about huge corporations pretending like they care about things in a major policy shift for facebook uh they banned white nationalism and white separatism on the platform on tuesday facebook will also begin directing users who try to post content associated with those ideologies to a nonprofit that helps people leave hate groups (laughs) (laughs) uh so the new policy which will be officially implemented next week highlights the malleable nature of Facebook's policies, which govern the speech of more than 2 billion users worldwide. And Facebook still has to effectively enforce the policies. That's the key. Yeah, I was going to say, mm. this is, is this going to end up being more work for the sad, underpaid uh, contractors? Story. That's going to be, the I feel like, the next worker empowerment movement where it's like the poor people who have to, like, go through Facebook posts looking for violent content and white nationalist posts and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like the mental health effects that's having on them. I mean, it is straight up the, like that's just going to give a ton of people secondary PTSD. Oh, like, for sure. It is the exact same thing. It is going to ruin people's brains and turn them, you know, radicalize them in their own ways because at some point it just becomes impossible. I mean, the it's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we have to hope that a good enough, like, mm-hmm. algorithm or robot comes along to save us. But, hey, I mean. But then it'll become sentient, and then it will have PTSD, and then it will conquer us. Now you have the depressed robot from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm. but without Alan Rickman's sweet, sweet voice. Mm. Um, also, like, at least it's happening since, like, you know, Jack Dorsey hangs out with anti-vaxxers. So, yeah. like, whatevs. I also just don't know how you successfully monitor anything with two billion users. I mean, here's the the secret is you don't. You don't. And you like you pay lip service yeah. that you will, but just on like a logistical level, I don't know how you do it. Mm-hmm. And that's not to let Facebook off the hook because obviously they're an incredibly immoral. Well, it's company. it's just it I think it puts them on the hook even more because mm-hmm. it tells you all you need to know they didn't think uh, in the slightest about anything other than growth and expansion into new markets for users and have worked at every step with the shittiest people to make that happen Mm -hmm. and have never thought about what was going up on the platform Mm -hmm. and how it might have been being used Mm -hmm. so it has there are probably many ways in which it will be a tool for bad behavior Mm -hmm. now that these groups are supposedly going to be not allowed um and we just have to figure out which hole in the whack-a-mole uh board it's gonna pop out of yeah i mean that is the bad thing about the internet also the good thing about the internet is like no matter what port is shut down there's an infinite number of areas where another one can spring up yeah see that all the time with like reddit 4chan, 8chan, there's always a new one. You yeah, know? I mean, shy of all power disappearing, all electricity disappearing from the earth, you can't stop the signal. I see where you're going with this, Meredith. I'm just saying we maybe have this to sweet abolish power <laughs> <laughs> of all kind. All power corrupts. It's like we have to go all the way back to candles and then somehow people will figure out how to put that shit in hot wax. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. we're f- listen, we're fucked no matter what. Wait, are we in the good news section? Oh, <laughs> I'm so right, sorry, guys. Right. So what I wanted to say about this is even though I don't know how they're going to implement this, obviously, I do think it's encouraging that platforms like Facebook and Twitter have had to be like, okay, look, we're sorry about the Nazis. We will try. And it's like, will you? And listen, probably not, because their bottom line is we want as many users on here as possible to make money. And we don't care what kind of users they are. Unless they're naked. Thanks a lot, Facebook, for taking away my Instagram and Tumblr porn. Cis women, we do not want to see your nipples. Yeah. (laughs) Totally fine with the Nazis on Tumblr, but no nips. Cover your nips with swastikas. (laughs) Oh, no. Then you can come back. Why has no one done that? Somebody absolutely has, and we just haven't (laughs) seen it because we don't live in the sewer of the internet. That's true. 
Uh, but you know that's out there. Do no not one send, send it to them me. to us. Do not send it to me. It will upset me. Don't do that. What's wrong with you? Nobody was going to do it. Who am I yelling at? Um, guys, please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Was there anything you wanted to promote? Just keep looking for me on social media and on uh, NBC News' Think Vertical, where I will be continuing to review films. Uh, I've so got a dope. few coming up in the next couple months. So, uh, you know, you can get my pop culture addled uh, critical stylings at, uh, at that platform. They're very good. Share them with your friends. Share those on social media instead of, like, Nazi stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Good content, everyone. Please go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button to keep us going, or go to patreon.com slash Kilkenny. support my work over there, and see my short film. It's a short horror film called Hum. It's very it's good. It's really good, guys. Thanks. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, $5 a month, you get to send questions that we'll answer on Light Trees and News. I'll try to get to some of those next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any thoughts about today's recap, hashtag lighttreasonpod on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. That's where we are. Oh, and we're on SoundCloud, too, if you want to follow us over there. Thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>